You just heard the musical stylings of Smokestick, the band of my uh, of my buddy John King Vegas Keeney. And you can find out more about Smokestick at Smokestick.com if you want to hear the music, backslash music. So that's Smokestick.com, backslash music. And I, I found it fitting today to have a little funky, energetic, uh, kind of crazy music to... Um, to kind of pay tribute to the former job or the former career, not really a career, but I guess passion of, of my guest today, Brant Wilkins, who started out as an independent professional wrestler. He is now the uh, proprietor of the Captain Wolt Inn in beautiful Herman, Missouri. And we're here at the Captain Wolt Inn with uh, Brant Wilkins, a good buddy from a long way back. Yeah, but... Not too long, what, about 15 years? Yeah, it's probably close to 15 years now. Probably a little bit longer than we thought. <laughs> but it's good, man. It's good to be out here. I've seen uh first time that I've visited, but you've been putting a lot of things out on Facebook, and it's just, uh, this place is amazing. Just the history. What? Uh, how long have you been uh, Have you been out here? I've been uh, running the inn for about three years now. Um, you know, Herman uh, has been... Uh, uh, big tourism town with uh, the first wine trail that uh, Missouri had. Um, so the wineries and then uh, lots of traditional uh, German heritage here, a town that was founded in uh, 1836. Yeah, I've been out here a few times location scouting. It's one of the things that I've that I've been doing over the years. And uh, yeah, it's just beautiful. They've got the old fire museum, which is cool. All the wineries, just a, a lot of history. One of, uh, I think it, what was it, uh, Adam Puka? Is, is that how you pronounce it, the, the winery that's kind of up in the hills? It is, yeah. Uh, I think the uh, oldest family-run, uh, contem- uh, continuously-run family uh, winery in the country. And then Stone Hill, uh, also one of the first. Um, and they, uh, I think until about 1886, Herman was the largest wine producer in the country. So um, quite a bit of, of, of wine history here. Um, George Hussman started in Herman and then made his way to California and was responsible for a lot of the wineries there. Yeah, that's what uh, they, they were telling me when I was doing the scouting there that back in, I think it was it was after World War II maybe, that, uh, that Missouri vineyards saved like a lot of the French wines because they had some diseases or something. And... Yeah, and I, I, I may be misspeaking. I believe it was a root rot. And, yeah, uh, yeah. So the rootstock here was not susceptible to it. So they sent it over, grafted with the uh, grapes there and uh, were able to prevent losing all of their grapes. Yeah, so people in Europe, even when I've been over there, kind of know um, Herman because of that if they're really into wine. So it's kind of neat. Yeah, it's pretty interesting history. So you, your, uh, your parents, they they bought the Captain Walt Inn, and then now you're you're managing that for them. Uh, originally, it was uh, three buildings. My my family, uh, my my father and mother, kind of uh, semi-retired, came out here. Uh, father always wanted to run a bed and breakfast, um, and so they were able to do that for about uh, eight years. Uh, then my father got pancreatic cancer, so I uh, was in St. Louis at the time trying to help my mom and. I uh, just got a little bit too much for her, so in 2012, I bought her out. So um, since then, we've gone from 12 rooms to 24. I uh, now have uh, seven historic buildings right here uh, in town. So um, trying to make it work, trying to make the numbers uh, start to work. Well, you're building a nice little empire here. I love everything I've seen, the, 
it, it's really cool to see it, this building we're in now is this is pre-World War II or Civil War? Uh, this one, actually not. This is one of my newer ones, about 1896. Okay. Uh, the two across the street are 1840. And uh, then the main end where the, the dining room is uh, was about 1886. So, um, yeah, they are some uh, old buildings. The town was founded about 1836. Uh, so this block here, I believe, has six buildings from about 1840. So some of the, the most historic buildings right here on 3rd Street in Herman. Yeah, it's amazing. Now, you've always been an entrepreneur, so this is nothing that I would say is out of the ordinary for you. Uh, when I first met you, besides being an independent professional wrestler and, and doing your work running that company, uh, you also were, you were big and you had your own landscaping company, did you not? Uh, yeah, more of a lawn care company. I uh, seemed to do better uh, with grass than I did with uh, trees, certainly in my classes in school. But um, yeah, did that for about 20 years and then sold that. I think... Uh, Maybe uh, more not liking to work uh, for other people more than being a great entrepreneur. I just <laughs> have, have done better working for myself than other people. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, if you can do that, that's the way to go. So it looks like you, you've got something pretty cool going here. Now, now looking back, so we, we first met each other at, uh, you were doing, uh, what was it, MRW, Midwest Renegade Wrestling. I had a, a fundraising event in mm -hmm. college. And, uh, you know, looking at being in business for myself, I didn't really do so well raising funds. I think I lost about $600, but it was, it was probably the most filled that that gym was at that time. It was just, you know, the, it, it was an amazing energy and it was, it was a fun show that you guys had put on. What, the, you know, when did you decide to get into to wrestling and, and MRW? When, how'd that come about? Really, I was uh, competing in, in powerlifting um, as a teenager, and then uh, when I turned 20, um, I was not able to compete with people in the open class, so I uh, was kind of just looking for something to do. A friend of a friend knew somebody in wrestling and uh, had always liked it as a kid, so just kind of went down and uh, caught a couple breaks early on um, and kind of went from there with it. Nice. Nice. So, yeah, with... Uh... I mean, those MRW days were pretty funny. The, the first time, I guess, uh, you know, I met you at that show. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and then I think the first time that I really got to know you is when we were setting up the ring at, uh, it was at the University of Indiana. And I think that was like 2000. Um, it was this frat house show. Do you remember that? I, well, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I'm not sure about the specific one. We did that actually a number of years. And yeah, that was... Uh, kind of a crazy time. I think we even uh, took the honky-tonk man to one of them, uh, and he did uh, really, really well. I do remember, I think that was like a, a dry campus, and so they used to have some of the, the, the uh, I guess, freshmen that would be on the lookout, and they would have radios, and like, you know, if, if somebody from the college was coming, everybody would disappear into their rooms, so that was kind of odd. No, totally, because we, uh, I went... Uh... <laughs> I went out there with, with Mike Rogers and we had the had the ring, so we were driving the U-Haul truck. So I was just shooting some video and I, I wish I had the technology that I have now. So I just had this super VHS camcorder and uh, we go out there and we go to check in with these guys on the we're in town mm -hmm. before we go to our hotel. And uh, you know, we're knocking on the door and we see these guys up in this window and I was like, Why is nobody answering the door? So I just start beating on the door and just and, and we see them like you said, they're scrambling. Mm -hmm. And then finally, somebody somebody answers the door. This is after probably like twelve minutes or you know fifteen minutes. 
And then they opened the door and they were so disappointed to see us. They're like, oh, you're not the dean. So I think they dumped all their beer. Well, I think they had gotten the system down pretty well. They evidently weren't able to come into the rooms. Uh, they could just come yeah. into the common spaces. So they would get rooms locked, and I think they had everything uh, put into the room. So they were pretty good at doing it, I think, keeping it away from the dean. Yeah, and it was, uh, it was, it was pretty crazy because the actual, we had, you know, I helped you set the ring up. So we were in that little quad. Mm -hmm. So the way they had their house, it was this, this kind of like an L angle. People were up, uh, up on the roofs people where you guys had set up this barricade and then like duct taped it. And I don't know, I don't think that was you that did it. That was, I think that was somebody else. And then like throughout the night, cause you had uh, a couple, I don't know, is the term midget wrestler or is it DeWar? I mean, I don't know what the term is I nowadays. certainly don't know what the political correct term <laughs> yeah. is, but uh, yeah, we had uh, some short wrestlers uh, that <laughs> night. So like throughout the, this is the guy Tio, he was great. The little little blonde dude, you know, he was mm -hmm. like the, uh, he was a, you know, he was a baby face. So, you know, good looking guy. And then he had Puppet. Puppet was at that. And so, of course, yeah, Puppet was just insane. Puppet the Psycho Dwarf, which, which I don't know if that guy's still around. I'll have to, I'll have to look I, him I see him occasionally when I'm traveling. I see um, flyers. I think he does um, wrestling shows with uh, uh, midgets, short people, whatever the correct term would be uh, throughout the country. So I think he still is doing it. And man, one of those guys at the time did stay, they spent a night at my house because I think we both were flying out different areas the next morning and, and I overslept. And I just remember kind of waking up, getting out of bed, just like knocking on the door going, come on, we're late, we gotta go. And he jumped out of bed fully clothed, I kid you not, <laughs> grabbed his suitcase and said, I'm ready to go. And when we get to the airport, I ran, that was certainly before 9-11. So I ran ahead to his gate to let him know. And I was out of breath by the time I got down there. And it was, I think I was out of breath trying to explain that there was going to be a midget coming. Please hold the, the, the plane. And she wasn't understanding. And finally I turned and I see him, you know, and it's people are parting. And he's running down the, the concourse with his bag. Uh, it was pretty funny, and I, th I think uh, she kind of figured out she should wait for him at that point. Yeah, so at the at the frat show, so, uh, you know, when they're running through, and throughout the night, it's like all the guys are leaning on the on the gate, the, the whatever the safety barrier is, metal barrier. So they're leaning over the whole night, and they're screaming, at, you know, every explicitive towards the wrestlers. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the fun of, fun of wrestling, so they're screaming their heads off. And then by the time... T.O. comes running in. They're all hanging over. You know, give them high fives and whatnot. And I just hear like... Oh, no. And <laughs> the duct tape rips. And like all these frat boys, it's like this mountain. And I'm standing next to it with the camera. So I jump and you see T.O. just like... I think I think his name was T.O. I'm uh, not sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to look back. But uh, he, you see him just jump out of the way. It was just... It was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. These guys, oh. Yeah, I yeah, thought you were going to tell me he got smashed there for a no, minute. No, no, no. He was, he was pretty bad. agile, so he was, able to, he was able to jump out of the way. It was just, it was so bizarre. And I think, oh, man, I'm trying to think of all, all the players that were there. Too Tough Tony. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was. He, he Probably was, Madman Pondo. I don't, I don't know if Pondo was there or not. Um, but who was, uh, not Magic Man, who was the other, no, not Nicky Strickland. Who was the other manager? He was... Uh, uh, he had a, the goatee. He was at the event that I did. Uh, damn, what was his name? 
uh, black hair, kind of rock and roller kind of kind of dude. Magic Man? No, it wasn't Magic Man. It was a younger guy. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, we'll have to figure yeah. that out. But so he did. He the guy he was managing, like they had some deal where they put uh, the uh, folding table in between the barrier and the ring. And so he like puts rubbing alcohol on it, lights it on fire, and this guy gets slammed into it. And at the time, he's wearing he was wearing like a uh, a singlet with like sweatpants, like those Zubas type sweatpants. And so he gets slammed into it, and his sweatpants are on fire. And then the manager, he's doing the stomp as you know the kick the guy. You know he's staying and you know keeping keeping it real. And then all of a sudden, you know when it, you know like the fire spreading on this guy's pants a little more, and then you see the guy kind of like. He kind of breaks character a bit. He's trying to put him out. The guy jumps up, and he goes running. He's like running towards the the, the uh, frat house, and he like he's not fully engulfed in flames, but it's starting to spread. And you just hear like over all these people, he's not in the house. And like I, I think he busts in the house, and later you, you see To one of the midget wrestlers with the fire extinguisher. It was like it was the most surreal thing I ever seen, man. Yeah, I think I, I have some footage of that somewhere. I'm gonna have to find that one of these days. So thankfully, <laughs> a lot of that hardcore stuff has kind of disappeared. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of guys uh, were crossing their fingers and hoping for the best, and unfortunately, some people did uh, get injured. Lucky that whole frat house didn't go up in that one. <laughs> and then they were like breaking like fluorescent tubes over like the guy's back, and at one point. You know, I see this cloud of this fluorescent dust coming at me. It's like, oh, shit. I just have to just hold my breath and let it pass. It was, yeah, that hardcore stuff was so bizarre. Yeah. A little bit uh, more risk than I wanted to do for what uh, we were making at that time. Yeah. So back in the wrestling days, what kind of, uh, were you more, you consider yourself more of a technical wrestler? I don't know if I was, uh, I, I, I'm not sure how good of a, a wrestler I was. I would say... More that than somebody that uh, did really well uh, speaking on the mic. But, um, you know, unfortunately in St. Louis, there just wasn't a lot of places to learn. So um, uh, mostly taught myself um, and then just didn't watch a lot of wrestling uh, as an adult. So um, it was hard to keep up with it. So I think that was one of the issues I had uh, as far as uh, doing well. I also have a little bit of a problem uh, suspending my disbelief. So that uh, sometimes makes it hard to be a wrestler in today's world. Yeah, yeah. So there's suspension of disbelief. So just as far as like uh, the stories, the characters, the... Uh... I, I, I think that is what's interesting. I, I don't think you have to overdo it with superhero uh -huh. type uh, people. To me, you watch uh, the Olympics, NFL films, those things. Um, you know, they certainly pull you in. Uh, with their story um, or the, the, the production value that they have. Um, and, and again, I think WWE does a great job with it. Uh, just personally, and I, I, I know I'm uh, the odd one in this because they do a great business. I, I, I just don't like the product that much that they have on TV weekly. I, I think the uh, DVDs they do with these career retrospectives, I, I think are amazing. I, I think they're production value is tremendous I, I think that's why they beat wcw pretty handily i think you know they really know what they're doing with with their product do a good job yeah production value goes a long way um you've been in some movies as well you're you're a sag actor you have your sag card yeah I, well the taft hartley and i don't understand the situation that much and i when i got it i i, I actually felt bad because you know i kind of took the, the the job just to see how movies were made as an extra and 
you know, I got to talking to people that had been doing that yeah. for years and, and trying to get a SAG card. And <clears throat> basically the second day, I think the stunt coordinator was just late or uh, his flight hadn't come in. So they were looking for somebody with any experience. And after nobody raised their hand, I <laughs> stuck mine up and they're like, what have you done? I said, well, I was a professional wrestler. They said, that works. So you <laughs> got it. You know, your pay scale changes uh, dramatically yeah. then. And uh, I was taking a, a, a fall from like four feet high on their crash pad. I was like, I can do this all day. But uh, there's a difference in wrestling and movies. Uh, the, the, the union certainly has a lot of power in uh, movies compared to no uh, union in wrestling. Yeah, when you talk about so yeah, taking taking a bump, which is is the term for those who aren't that familiar with with wrestling on a crash pad versus the ring, which is what are those uh, like two by sixes or what? Well, it, it certainly depends on where you are and when yeah. you're starting. I mean, you, you're wrestling in rings that just aren't aren't, aren't very good. Um, some the padding. Shoot, when I started, it was old uh, carpet padding, and not even like they'd go buy new stuff. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. When they saw some padding, they'd pick it up and put it under the ring. Um, some old boxing rings that weren't made to move at all. Certainly, uh, they're not trampolines like people think they are, but uh, it's a pretty stiff surface. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're certainly taught to protect yourself, but those are major impacts multiple times uh, every night, you know, night after night. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it does wear on your body. Definitely. And I think, that, I think that's one thing where over the years, and I've been... Uh, you know, I have to get back to work on a, a wrestling movie that I was writing a mockumentary, mm -hmm. and I kind of, yeah, just just lost my focus and was doing many other things. So I'm trying to get back to that. But uh, you know, one thing when I was doing all my research, you know, you learn that yeah, it's it's very much real. It's just it's predetermined. So like all all the bumps and everything, and you know all that, the athleticism is is pretty amazing. So so regardless of what you know, what the outcome is of the match. I mean, you guys are you guys are well, taking the bumps and getting the hits and, and bruising the body regardless. Cer certainly that. And, it, I, I mean, if you want to talk about competition, there's as much competition in WWE or professional wrestling as there is in any other sport. But um, it's to make money. It's to, to mm -hmm. draw fans. Yeah. You know, the competition's not – as we all know, who's going to go into the ring and win that. But, sure. you know, does one guy draw more money? He's yeah. going to get paid better. He's going to get on more pay-per-views. That's the competition. There's as much of it there. I mean, the guys that are hustling to be the top guys in WWE, there's as much competition there as in any any other sport. Sure. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's that the, the theater element, the athleticism. I mean, really, you look at some of the performers – and you look at somebody like The Rock, who is he was doing the big Hollywood movies and everything. I mean, he's just, I mean, that was really a good place for him to cut his teeth and just, just build those acting chops. And I just think, have, have you seen, uh, there's an HBO show called Ballers. I actually, I, I, I just started watching that on Netflix and, and watched uh, basically the first season and couple days yeah I, I i like the movie to me or the the tv show yeah. it seemed a lot like the one espn did a few years ago um you know kind of the inside of what goes on in the nfl uh -huh. and it was funny i'm pretty sure the nfl kind of put the kibosh on that uh one that espn did a few years yeah. ago because i think it was kind of uh too real but yeah I th he, he's that show i i think is uh very interesting and, and he certainly has done uh Better than anybody, I think, in, in transitioning. Uh, I think he was 
the uh, largest grossing actor. Um, so not even just wrestlers. I think he's the top grossing actor for anybody. So Yeah, he's done really well for himself. He's always yeah, had that magnetic personality. It was always one of those guys that, yeah, when they bring him on pay-per-views now, I mean, he's just one of those guys that, yeah, really draws it and he gets, uh, yeah, just gets the crowd going and I guess still gets a lot of heat. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty interesting. So this movie you were working on, where you become the, you, you were the stunt coordinator. No, no, no. I, there just wasn't a guy there to do any stunts that day. Okay, uh, no, gotcha. no. And I actually, I did very little. Um, I, I was eaten by a uh, creature that was mainly CGI, and I think uh-huh. after a while, the guy said, "Why are we spending time on this? We can do it all in CGI." And it really was fairly easy. I had to take a a small fall um, uh-huh. on their crash pad, so uh, wasn't much to it after that. So yeah, was that that was that black hole? Was that the it was? Yeah, it was yeah. a sci-fi uh, okay. production, and I just really wanted to see how movies were made. Yeah, um, and then ended up uh, being able to do that. So yeah, it was it was it was interesting, and I really didn't know who was going to be on the movie at all. Um, and the first day, Christy Swanson comes up, you know, and introduces herself. Hi, I'm Christy. And, you know, I'm shaking her hand thinking, I've seen you naked. You know, <laughs> didn't say that, but, you know, she was in that Playboy spread. And uh, certainly she was the uh, first Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was kind of neat. Judd Nelson was on that movie, uh-huh. you know, and somebody my age, you saw him in The Breakfast uh, Club and all of those uh-huh. movies. So that was kind of neat getting to work with them. Spent, you know, two weeks kind of working with them. So that was uh, interesting. Cool. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll get a word from our sponsors, and then we will uh, we'll come back. We'll talk a little more about that movie. We'll talk a little bit about the running of the bulls, which you've done. Talk a little bit more about what you've got going on here in Herman. Uh, yeah, so we're here with Brant Wilkins, and this is Conversations with Calcaterra. So wrestling is a dangerous business, and most independent wrestlers don't have insurance, or I expect they don't. Liability is a big one, and and to be honest, I don't even know if an insurance company would cover an independent wrestler. But fortunately, I know the guy who can can deliver that answer, Mike Aubuchon of Premier Insurance Agency. Mike's been in the business for over 20 years and has covered everything under the sun, maybe even a wrestler or two. When you call him for a quote, ask him and then uh, let me know. Put something in the comments section on this show or uh, send me an email. Uh, whether it's auto, homeowners, collector, automobiles, life insurance, or liability, Mike's going to find you the most competitive rates. Give him a call at 314-729-0054 or an email Mike A at Premier, P-R-E-M-I-E-R-I-N-S agency.com. Once again, Mike A at P-R-E-M-I-E-R-I-N-S agency.com so if you're listening to this episode then you've most likely seen the picture of my guest Brant Wilkins and you'll see that he shaves his head so a haircut at Brooks Salon is out of the question but a beard trimming that's a possibility if he uh, if he wants to go for more of a lean look and uh, not a caveman kind of look as most people are wearing these days but uh, regardless Brant's a good looking guy he'll make it work Sharon Hall she'd be happy to sculpt his beard Her shop is in Clayton on Forsyth at the corner of Central, just east of the World News. Uh, She's been styling for a number of years and can help with coloring needs as well. So if maybe Brant wants to go with a red beard and uh, do that kind of thing for the Captain Walton, she can help him. Uh, While you're waiting, why don't you head next door to Sips and grab a coffee or a fresh-pressed juice? 
locally sourced and organic when available. Uh, maybe not pineapples because uh, there's no place in the Midwest that I know that grows them. But, uh, you know, regardless, she's going to get the freshest ingredients possible. She's also adding a happy hour where you can grab a microbrew and some homemade food, including soups, flatbreads, hummus, and salsa. Also, she hosts singer-songwriters in the Corridor for Corridor Concert Series. Maybe we'll even see Johnny Vegas of Smokestick there for a show. Brooks Salon and Sips. Call Sharon Hall at 314-651-1763 for more information and to set up an appointment. She'd be glad to see you there. All right, so you're on the, the Black Hole movie, which I had a bunch of friends in that in that movie, but uh, I've never seen it. I'll have, to, I'll have to watch that at some point. It's not the best the- movie. <laughs> it was on uh, Netflix for a little while. Um, actually ran into a friend of a friend that's a big sci-fi uh, fan, and he had a copy of it. So I do now have the uh, <laughs> DVD at uh, home. But uh, I don't think I've watched the whole thing. I've kind of zipped <laughs> through it. And you can miss me. I'm kind of in the background, yeah. although I, the death scene, you, you certainly can see me. Yeah, you had a bunch of friends that were, I guess there there was a scene where the aliens walking up and they had like, it was it, it was just such a low budget thing. I think mm-hmm. it was like five guys. It was like they had like a Humvee, uh, maybe like some SUV. And then like a, a couple of my buddies were in there and it was like, it was just so... So well, cheesy. Like the Humvees, there's a number of them, and they're supposed to be military, but I think there's three different color Humvees. So, um, yeah, I think they were just kind of grabbing what they could. And from my understanding, I think that was like a 2 or $3 million project. Yeah. So, But it was interesting. I mean, there's a, a 2 or $3 million still. There's yeah. quite a few perks you get uh, as uh, an actor, and it uh, seemed like they spent money throughout town, so it was certainly a good thing for St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit of money, but not, you know, it's always good to have more, you know. But uh, so, so what did you think of the whole process of being uh, being in a movie? So you, you went, you auditioned to see what it's all about. You were fortunate enough to get a SAG card. I mean, I guess you consider yourself fortunate. Uh, what, what do you think of the whole process? Is it something that you, you'd you like to do again? Is it something you've done since? Well, I, I was just getting out of wrestling kind of at the time and uh, very similar to do you just want to trudge through trying to, you know, make a name for yourself? And um, I didn't really want to at the time. So it was kind of fun. Um, I, I certainly can see uh, where if you had an emotional role, how that could be draining. But uh, certainly I didn't. Uh, it was very easy for me. I think you're taken care of very well. So uh, I don't know. Some actors, I think, maybe have been out of the real world for too long when they complain. There are long hours. You certainly, yeah, when there's that much money going on, they're trying mm-hmm. to get as much work in a day as they can. But uh, the actors, it seems, uh, sit in the trailer a lot. The guys, you know, the guys putting the cameras up, uh, or the guys with the mics, uh, all yeah. of that, those seem to be the guys that have to hustle all day. You know, they shoot a scene, move the cameras. Uh, the actors all go into uh, their their trailers. They've got stand-ins their size, so seemed to me like you know the union guys were the ones that ha- had the harder days. Yeah, yeah, being crews on those it's uh it's it's a lot of work. It's it's fun, it's fun, but yeah, those those grueling days after you're doing it enough, it gets yeah yeah kind of wears you down. But uh, seemed yeah. like they all liked it, and it seemed you know like wrestling. A lot of those folks kind of uh, had other family members in it, kind of grew up in it, or. Mm-hmm. Had been doing it quite a while, and then a lot of them, it seemed like, 
um, either go from project to project together or at least mm -hmm. a couple times a year end up on a, a film yeah, together. Yeah, so. it, is, it is kind of that, that circus carnival mm -hmm. atmosphere. Definitely. So yeah, a lot of the, the people I've worked with over the years, yeah, it's kind of like that. You, you, you know, you have your, your film family, that, mm -hmm. that production family. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I'd heard recently, I mean, I didn't know much about that movie, but somebody was telling me like, I think it was at the last minute they didn't have the sports car or whatnot. And they were, we, okay, you're shaking your head. So they had a, uh, some guy, they're like, yeah, man, can we just use your car for a day or whatnot? And he's just like, it's this brand new car. It's his baby. They get it in there, and I think they they tr they trashed it or scraped the hell out of the side or did something like that. Yes. And I'm hearing, you know, little stories, and it was like, what the hell? Yeah, and we shot, I think, pretty much everything we did was at the uh, sewer treatment plant in North City. So um we were kind of there shooting inside uh scenes most of the time so uh coming in every morning wasn't great because it didn't smell uh terrific as you were going in but uh i was kind of stuck in that spot uh for the the time i was working there yeah so jumping ahead we'll jump back to wrestling because you have a few a few more good stories with that but now now one thing you've done recent years i don't know when when was the last time you did the running of the bulls 2011 okay so yeah that, not too long ago how, maybe, how, maybe 2012 yeah. i think 2012 yeah and i know there's one video i somebody put out and, and i saw you had posted that on social media where there's a good shot of you there's like a i think uh like maybe a good five or ten second shot of you running there there's where, one where i fall right on my face <laughs> going into the arena uh, and that, that day I, I, I swore somebody pushed me. Um, and then when I did watch the video, not only does he not push me, I clearly trip over my own feet, but he got a hand on the, the bull's horn and, and directed it away from me. So, uh, I was mad at the guy, but I, I should be thankful after watching the, the, the video. So had he not got the hand on the uh, on the horn? You well, you never know, but I, I clearly went down right in front of him, and his head was starting to go down, uh -huh. and the guy pushed him to the right away from me. So, uh, yeah, I would have to thank him if I ran into him again. Yeah, so what, what, what made you say, I want to go run with the Bulls? Uh, wide world of sports as a kid i okay. remember that i think they'd do it every year they'd have a little shot of it and it seemed like uh something pretty crazy and uh just got an opportunity 2009 um in that first year i did what a lot of people did uh, not enough research okay. um got in a bad spot uh first time um right past la curva which is dead man's curve you don't have uh many spots to get out so um by the time I saw the bulls, they were probably 15, 20 feet away from me. Uh, they're big. They close fast. Um, <laughs> and I basically tried to get out of the way, and you just don't have much room there. So I, I found a doorway and kind of was able to stay in there for a bit. Uh, it opens your eyes quickly. Uh, most people, your first year, um, you don't get as close as you thought you were going to get. Um, a lot of people do come back and the ones that come back you seem to figure it out um in my second uh third year i've had some uh, good runs i've done uh 12 runs uh so i probably about eight or nine of them i was uh in front of the bulls for at least a little bit yeah that's cool that's that's an interesting experience now before the running had you traveled to europe before the running of the bulls or was that your first time there i had a little bit i hadn't really gone to spain and i i've since kind of fallen in love with spain uh barcelona 
probably my favorite city in the world, but uh, Pamplona is really, really neat. Um, everything up a- along that uh, northern uh, part of Spain, Bilbao, there's a Guggenheim Museum there. San Sebastian has some great uh, beaches. You can kind of bar hop and have uh, pinchos at all the bars there. So um, Spain's uh, pretty neat, and there's something about the running with the bulls. Uh, it's pretty exciting. So Yeah, I don't know if that's anything I'll ever try, but uh, maybe at some point I have to do it quick before I slow down too much. It is, and luckily, you know, I've, I, I've been kind of accepted by uh, some of the Spaniards because I've had some pretty good runs and yeah. uh, made friends with a really good buddy of mine uh, from Scotland. Uh, they call him the Scottish Rocket, but uh, he runs La Curva and does uh, very well every year. I think he's up to 150 runs now, um, but uh, I run Telefonica, which is the last road. You make a left turn and then into the arena, so helps to be a little larger where I run because uh, it's uh, loaded with a lot of people um, and you've got to just kind of work your way into the middle of the road. Most people though are trying to go the opposite way so really if you can get through those people once you're right in front of a bull and the Spaniards you want to be on the horns right in front of them it's the quietest and calmest right there you know getting out it's all kinds of noise people jostling pulling grabbing if you can get out in front of the bulls, it's it, it's it's a weird feeling, but it, everything kind of quiets down, seems to slow down, run for a little bit, and then try to get out of the way. So, <laughs> so now when you say get out in front of the bulls, how how what's the distance between you and the bulls when you're doing that? Depends on how fast you are. Now, <laughs> so 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 where I am, they're gonna shoot a rocket off when uh, the bulls come out of the pen. Um, I'm towards the end. It's about three quarters of a mile total. So I look down at my watch. It's going to be a minute and a half to a minute 45 before they're coming up the straightaway to me. So um, as they come up, you can kind of feel the electricity and then people are madly running out of the way. You'll start to hear the cowbells. And then you've got to, you've got to at an angle, try to get into the middle of the road. And this is the weird thing. Once you're in the middle of the road, you kind of, slow down a bit because you want to get there before them and then if you just kind of coast a bit when they come on you that's when you turn it on and uh twice i've been able to run into the arena with one right behind me and one of those times i fell down (laughs) right as i came in so is it do you you have that video on your facebook or anything I, at the time, I didn't know how to get anything off of. I just found it on YouTube. Yeah. So no, I don't have a video of that. Oh, I um, want to see that again. I, I did at one point wear a GoPro, but um, they they tell you you don't want to turn around and look behind. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that's all you do when you have a GoPro. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying that the Spaniards were respecting you for some good runs. So would a good run be staying like right in front of the bull? Would it be getting into the arena? What would be considered? It a good is. Run? And, and they, they care less about getting into the arena. I just, it's pretty exciting yeah. to kind of come into it. Um, no, you want to be in front of the bulls. Um, if you can get right on the horns, La Curva's where the guys that um, are the best probably are. Uh, you've got a really tight turn. That's where you see the bulls uh, slide into the walls. Um, so kind of being close and, and being able to do it um, more than once. The guys that are able to put themselves in a position to, uh, to get in front of the bulls. And more and more now, there's just so many people. It's becoming harder and harder. In the old days, a group of three or four guys 
might go three abreast right in front of the bulls. There's just so many people. Now it's hard. Um, I, I've tried to run with a couple guys, and they don't even end up in the same photographs because they just can't make it to the same mm-hmm. spot. So that's really where most of the danger is now is, is being pushed um, by somebody trying to get out of the way and then trampled. Um, and then if you do fall, uh, defies logic to people, but you do not want to get up until after the bulls are, are gone. You see the big problems when somebody's starting to stand up and they're right at horn level when Ooh, the bulls yeah. are coming. And that's not going to go well for you. So if you're down to the bulls, I mean, does their momentum, do they tend to kind of uh, trot over you or what? Well, for the most part, if they're running clean, they're going to jump right over you. Uh-huh. They're not necessarily coming after people, although they are very aggressive. Yeah, when yeah. they when they do that is more when they've slipped and fell and, and they're separated a bit. When when they're herded and there's six bulls, six um, six steer, so the steer kind of help keep them packed and running together. If you get a clean run and all twelve uh, make it without falling, um, if if you do fall, from what I've seen and watched and experienced, if you stay down. For the most part, they're going to jump over you. If you happen to have one step on you, that sure seems a better way to go than to you know have one run into you. And they're not necessarily mad at you when they're running full speed, but when they see something in front of them, they just lower their head and decide it's easier to go through than around. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> that's, that's interesting, definitely. What um, So traveling i mean i was just chatting with somebody about looking at worldviews and being you know just a little different outlook on life do you feel that it, that traveling has has given you more of a you know different outlook or how do you feel that traveling and and, and being in an event like that and i guess on their native land uh, interacting with spaniards how has that helped your outlook or who you are generally as a person well, I don't know if that has uh, traveling per se, but you certainly get different perspectives. It's interesting to, to talk to people. Um, and, and the uh, running of the bulls is, is mostly what the uh, Americans like. I, I mean, the, the festival for the people in Pamplona, um, uh, it's the Festival of San Fermin. It's a religious festival for them. It's way more than, than the running of the bulls. Um, uh, it's everything that goes on that week. So um, for me, I like running with the Bulls, but we've actually uh, met locals there and kind of have been able to do some of their cultural things, uh, which is pretty neat. And, um, you know, even there, uh, the struggles between uh, some of the Bosque revolutionaries and uh, the Spanish government. Uh, last year, uh, they delayed uh, opening ceremony by about 15 minutes. So um, there, there still are some issues up uh, northern Spain. Um, I unfortunately um, uh, am not as up to date as I, I should be on it, but I, I think traveling certainly uh, you've got to figure out how to, to, to deal and uh, live and, and act and uh, deal with other people. Um, so I, I think it certainly opens your eyes. Uh, I think it uh, has helped me understand there's uh, different ways to, to do things and different ways to live certainly than uh, what we do here. Not that one is better than the mm-hmm. other, but uh, you've got to respect other people kind of for that, I think. Yeah, I think one thing, uh, you know, we'll, we'll come back. I want to, uh, we'll go to a, another quick little break. And uh, we're here with Brent Wilkins. We're at the Captain Wolt Inn in Herman, Missouri. Beautiful Herman. Brent's a proprietor. We'll come back and we'll be speaking to him in a moment. 
It's holiday time, and this year, like many others, Dr. Mark Holland and his associates are collecting donations for Toys for Tots. That's one of the things I love most about Dr. Holland and First Capital Chiropractic, their generous nature. His mission in life is to help people, and he does his daily by helping patients deal with neck pain, back pain, headaches, scoliosis, and accidents and injuries. A healthy spine is important to a healthy life. Most of his business is referrals, and he always has a fun giveaway for those who refer the most during the month. Uh, do you have a friend or a family member who's been dealing with back pains they don't know where to go? Well, send them the First Capital Chiropractic in St. Charles or one of the three other area locations, including Wildwood, downtown St. Louis, or North St. Louis County, and you can register to win a 40-inch flat-screen TV. So check out their website at chironrehab.com or call 636 636- and they'll direct you to the uh, location nearest you. I've seen every doctor in the company, and they're all great. First Capital Chiropractic and Rehab. If you haven't found that one-of-a-kind gift for that special someone by now, you're probably in trouble, and my friend Kevin Blumenkamp may or may not be able to help you with it uh, this time for the holidays, but maybe think ahead for Valentine's Day. Kevin is a master craftsman in the field of jewelry design, and his work is super amazing. He's uh, he's a go-to guy for these one-of-a-kind type gifts. That's why Christmas time you'll probably not get something because he's going to take some time to design something really special. He's created wedding rings for many friends, and recently he's just designed and fabricated a unique coffee table for a friend of ours in San Francisco, which looks like uh, looks like a spaceship. It's really cool. His, uh, his prominent style incorporates motion, and the table the table moves up and down. And uh, a lot of his jewelry, the amazing pieces that he's done, have a lot of movement. You, if you look and check on the, uh, on the link that I've included on before this show, it's a, a video that's been created by uh, William Locke and myself. And uh, it's some of the necklaces that he's designed, and they're, they're really amazing. Check out the movement. It's a piece that he did uh, back in grad school, and I I think you'll be blown away. You can reach him at 314-346-6498. Check him out. I think you'll you'll really enjoy the pieces he creates. All right, we're back with Brent Wilkins, proprietor of the Captain Walt Inn. And uh, you've got a great place here. Uh, We're in the uh, Captain's Neighbor building, which is a beautiful building you've done a great job with. How can can people find out about, uh, about you and what you have to offer here? Uh, our, we've got a website, CaptainWalton.com. Um, also, just uh, information about Herman would be VisitHerman.com. Uh, Herman's got two ends, so VisitHermanWithTwoEnds.com. They've got information about all the wineries, the historic buildings, uh, the shops, uh, restaurants, and everything there. Right on. Okay, great. And uh, we were talking about, and you've got a, you got the, the Captain Walt Facebook page as well, correct? I do, yes. I'm not up to date on how you get there exactly, but mm-hmm. I guess you just look up Captain Walt in. Yeah, and that's uh, how it pops up on the Facebook. W O L T. It is. Yeah, great. And uh, and who was Captain Walt? I uh, was, uh, and there are a number of them. Uh, steamboat captain in town. Um, it was a popular profession here, and then uh, Walt, I believe, was a fairly popular name. Uh, one of my buildings was built as a retirement home um, as he uh, uh, stopped working as a steamboat captain. There is also a Walt house um, on First Street across from uh, Hermanoff Winery. The uh, two captains were related, but uh, the businesses are not. 
Interesting. And are you enjoying uh, enjoying the work thus far? What can a guest expect when uh, when they come here? Well, I think uh, we've got uh, the coolest place in town. Certainly, we're right in the middle of the historic district, so you can walk to all the shops, restaurants, bars, um, and uh, two of the wineries. Hermanoff's just three blocks. Stone Hill's uh, a little over a mile. Then there's uh, Ten Mill uh, Brewery. Um, I've got five uh, buildings on Third Street, so uh, I've got a little more green space than others. I'm also owned a lawn care company for about 20 years, so we've got a real nice lawn and garden with uh, multiple outdoor seating areas and fire pits. So a lot of my folks spend uh, most of the day kind of at the wineries, doing a little bit of shopping, get some dinner, buy a bottle of wine or two, and kind of come back and hang out on the property in the evening. Then uh, my chef Mary makes the uh, best breakfast in town each morning. Nice, nice. And I'm dying to get down here for a stay. Schedule's busy, but yeah, definitely looking forward to getting down here and hanging out and uh, having a little more time. But uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for having me today. It's 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 good talking to you. Now, what one thing? uh, So you have the you have the Facebook page. I know you have. I mean, anymore, most people have have a Facebook presence, and I just find that. It kind of gets kind of gets crazy on Facebook. I know. I think my page is probably a little more mellow. I, I think yours is is pretty well balanced. What, what are your how you feel about using Facebook? Is it is it a good tool for for business? Are you uh, to to me? And I I, I think certainly in B and B's, you know, many younger people um, don't have a lot of experience. So I, I think for us, I tell people to check it out, just kind of get the vibe of uh, what goes on at our place. Um, certainly, I think I am one of the uh, younger uh, bed and breakfast owners, uh, probably the only that was a former uh, professional wrestler. But, um, you know, I think uh, we don't have the doilies. We don't have the wallpaper. Uh, it's not your grandmother's B&B. A little bit more fun. Um, you know, I think uh, we get a uh, younger crowd um, a little bit more active, uh, folks that are coming here. So hopefully as we expand a little bit more, uh, next year, we'll be, uh, looking at having, uh, some live music, a uh, little bit more events going on at the facility here. Uh, so guests can kind of enjoy the property all day long. Right on, right on. Speaking of social media, we were talking earlier with Twitter and everything. Uh, the Iron Sheik has just this presence on social media and on Twitter that just, it's it's hilarious. It's kind of bizarre. And you had mentioned, uh, you know, how much of that is his persona or how much of it is his character? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I can't tell. And I, I've certainly <laughs> spent some time on the road with him. Um, he is either that way all the time or he is always in character. Um, and, and if that's the case, you got to give him credit for that because he's been in character for 30 years. But uh, he's, to me, pretty funny guy. Um, and and if, if you don't have somebody taking advantage of him, filling him up with booze and drugs, uh, he's a pretty funny uh, guy. I think uh, certainly uh, Howard Stern found that out when he had him on. Um, we knew, you know, just from being with him on the road, a couple names you bring up, you're going to get 10 minutes of great radio. And uh, I think Howard Stern figured that out. You know, you say Greg Gagne, Hulk Hogan, there's 10 minutes of him yelling about him. So it's <laughs> pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, no, he's he's done well for himself. And I, I don't know the title of the documentary. You've seen it, I've seen it, which uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to preface that at uh, some point. But yeah, yeah, just amazing. His story is pretty amazing. Coming over, being a national champion in in Iran, and then uh, coming over here, being a coach on the U.S. team, 
I mean, pretty amazing story. Yeah, that was the one thing that that, uh, that got him down was was the drugs and alcohol, which now I I, I believe he's clean now. And- yeah, and I I think it, it seems like he does have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And yes, yeah, certainly what the man has accomplished in his lifetime. You know, it seems like he uh, doesn't like Hogan because he had to do the job for him. But <laughs> man, the guy I, he's lived a life. You know, that's pretty amazing um gotten to do some uh things that most people don't get to do so i i I don't know if he needs to be mad about hogan seems to have pretty good life yeah and i I think this resurgence with twitter and everything i think there's there's a lot of young people that are now kind of seeing this guy you know that are that never saw him wrestle but as his personality get to see him and in fact somebody was just down at the austin film festival and uh this uh friend of mine that i had met down there she uh She's writing a movie or was talking about, yeah, I want to do this movie. She's an actress, director, writer, Persian. And uh, I had mentioned like, yeah, you should get the Iron Sheik to play your father. Mm Because she was wanting maybe a little comedic, but it was just a brainstorming type thing. And I thought, yeah, I mean, right now he has all this heat. And as an indie filmmaker, you if there's some way where I don't know what he would charge, but if you had the budget for him, you know, it'd be kind. Of, yeah, I think that would draw some attention. I think it could be a, a funny comedy because he's just he just is so bizarre. He certainly is a character. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why he did well for as long as he did. I, I mean, he is a character. That's kind of what people like. So yeah, I just I don't know how as far as especially somebody that is is uh, maybe not. Uh, a seasoned director how it would be working with him i don't know it could be could it could be a catastrophe that could be interesting yeah or you know get the get the behind the scenes cameras rolling and just see what you would get there i think you know the documentary the making of the film could be as interesting if not more sure sure but uh yeah yeah so you you were on the road with him you guys was this with uh mrw you had him as a guest spot or were you um, traveling we did and then i i think because of that on a couple other shows he chose to ride with me because he was nice. uh somewhat familiar so yeah i mean i i actually drove with both he and hacksaw jim duggan <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got the story from both sides on that, uh, and they both, it is kind of funny. Do blame the other one. <laughs> and that's what you're referring to a story. I saw that in the documentary where they were, of course, one was a heel, one was a baby face, and then they were they were riding together, having a good time. I guess they were pulled over by the police because they had some beers. And yeah, and then that kind of just the whole mystique of that feud was kind of diffused a little bit. And, they, and they, Vince was not too happy about that. They had the white powder and Sheiky's medicine. So, <laughs> yeah, and that was, the you know, when, when you weren't supposed to travel um, with somebody you were working against. And, and, and they were working uh, main events, you know, headlining the two of them using the USA um, Iran gimmick on the B yeah. shows, you know, when Hogan was headlining the A shows. So uh, that probably cost him a ton of money, both of them. And Duggan's father was uh, police of ch- chief of police of one of the uh, cities up in like upstate New York. So I think it was maybe even a little bit worse for him having to have that uh, aired in the public <laughs> when your dad's a uh, chief of police. Yeah, yeah. What were what were some of the matches? Did you ever wrestle against Sheik or any of those type of guys? I know the uh, the show that that I sponsored for, for my movie was um, we had Jimmy Superfly Snooka. So I guess you had him one night and he carried over, which was great because people were just totally marking out over that. It's going crazy. Tell you, Snooka, I, I'm, Snooka Drew, I, like, yeah. he certainly did for WWE, but to me in small shows, I, he was one of the best guys. 
Um, and he would do the Superfly for us, where I, I saw him in a lot of other shows. He wouldn't. He was a good dude, man. It's uh, that story coming back. You know, he's charged with murder. Yeah, that's I just heard about that. Yeah, I just at, at this point, I don't know if it's doing anybody any good. I think he's got a little bit of dementia. He's certainly old now, but uh, yeah, all the bumps that he took over the years. Sure, but uh, if you read into that story, it seems like a bad deal. Yeah, I don't know much about it. I'll have to I'll have to take a look at that with the. Uh, yeah, it's just crazy, you know, the things that, I mean, you read more and you know a little more these days with the internet and the Facebooks and everything else. It just seems like, it, it's just, uh, I think it's a little, little crazy. It's good for promoting. Like if it, back then, I would have loved that Facebook to promote that wrestling show. I mean, we, we did well the way it was, but, um, you know, it would have been, you know, maybe get, uh, you know, would have lost as much money. But I look at the experience of that and it was just, that was just such an electric experience that that was like, it was great. Hey, six hundred dollars to uh, and some work to put on a show like that. It was just, it was a blast. It was kind of my first foray into into that world of, mm-hmm. of independent professional wrestling. So it's, I'm excited now talking to you to get back with this script and try to put that together and maybe maybe uh, get this movie, get the funding one day. Um, it, it's it's been good catching up to you, man, and uh, talking about the the old days of wrestling. I had a I had a great time just meeting. You know, a lot of those characters, Madman Pondo, you know, that was a, that's a name that I, I haven't heard in a while. And he was just well, he, interesting he, he ended up in a video game, which uh, had to be pretty cool for <laughs> no him. No way. And then I actually ran into his, I want to say, sixth grade teacher one time. <laughs> oh, so that was kind of funny. She said he was always a character. But she was kind of blown away at uh, what he had done. Um, she knew he was a wrestler, but I showed her some pictures, and I think it freaked her out a little bit. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he was a solid guy, man. He was a solid guy. I mean, I think even, you know, at the time when I first met Puppet, he was he seemed a little off. But when uh, later on, somebody, a group called Cool Fire Media in St. Louis, I don't know if you've done work with them. I've done a, a bunch of work over the years. Um, they had an event with the with Puppet's group. Mm-hmm. And uh, they came in and I was like, hey, man, I worked with you in MRW. And he oh, yeah. You know, he seemed like a, a pretty cool guy and that he's... He's, you know, had a pretty pretty good niche that he has there. So I think he, you see that look in his eyes when, when he's in that ring and everybody's just, you know, going crazy. It's, you know, he's a he's a performer. Well, and Pondo, Pondo is pretty good hand. I, I mean, he knows how to wrestle. Uh, and I, I, I had a conversation with him. He's like, look at me. I don't have a great body. Not the best looking guy. I'm trying to make a living in wrestling. So um, he's somebody that's still doing it. Uh, goes to Japan nice. occasionally still, so um, he's kind of taken what was available and done the most with it. So I think he's done pretty well for himself. Right on. Well, hey man, thanks for uh, thanks for being a guest on the show. It's been great catching up. Uh, check out Captain Walton Herman, Missouri. You can check online that website once again. Uh, Captain Walton W O H L T. Okay, yeah, and I think I spelled it wrong. So W O H L T. Thanks, Brent. Talk to you soon, buddy.